Hi, welcome to Three Minute Therapy Podcast. I'm Mick Berry. This is my partner, Dr. Michael Edelstein. This is a podcast on rational motive behavioral therapy and its application in myriad aspects of living. In fact, I might even say every aspect of living, or at least everything I can think of right now. Rational motive behavioral therapy was founded by Albert Ellis in the 1950s, and it's an approach to therapy in which we analyze our thoughts and cultivate self-helping thoughts rather than self-defeating thoughts. Albert Ellis developed rational motive therapy over the course of his life from about 1950 to when I believe he died in the early 2000s. And it originally began as rational therapy, then became rational motive therapy, then became rational motive behavioral therapy. Behavior, behavior therapy. Rational motive behavior therapy, or REBT for short. Is there anything else in the intro I can mention, Michael? Well, we could also say that the main premise is our emotions come from our thinking, not from situations, particularly thinking in terms of demands. Must should, supposed to, have to, demands on ourselves, I must do well and get approval, demands on others, you must treat me well, and demands on the conditions of one's life, my life must go fairly uh, easily and hassle-free. Yeah, and Michael, I would amend that to say our self-defeating thinking comes from demands. Our self-helping -help thinking does not include demands, but our thinking contributes to the way we feel, whether it's self-helping or self-defeating. Yeah, yeah, very good. And that leads us right into today's topic, which is rational motive behavioral therapy, REBT, and semantic precision in speaking, writing, and thinking. Just then, Michael, I was being semantically precise in distinguishing our self-defeating thinking from our self-helping thinking. That's right. And normally, would you agree, Mick, that our self-helping thinking comes from strong preferences, where our self-defeating thinking comes from these musts and shoulds and demand type of thinking? Yes, I would agree completely. Okay, so with semantic precision, Michael, was there something you wanted to mention about semantic precision to kick it off? Uh, yes, uh, there's a rich history on how our thinking uh, affects our um, behavior or, or, and influences our thought and behavior. And one of the most common uh, investigations in this was the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which said that um, our linguistic categories and usage influence thought and decisions and research on this has produced positive empirical evidence for this relationship. Okay, and to apply this to the way we think and how we feel, to be use an example of semantic precision, if I tell myself if I fail at a particular task and I tell myself I'm no good because I failed at the task, I'm going to feel bad about myself, whereas if I tell myself, I failed at this particular task, so I wasn't good at my performance of the task, but rating myself entirely by my performance is 
completely inaccurate. That's semantically precise, and that's being exact in terms of what's actually going on. And from that, I will then not feel bad. I will not be self-defeating. I'll actually be self-helping and saying, I failed at this task. Then I can assess what is it I could do to do better next time. Yes, and you will feel bad about it, but not feel bad about yourself. And more specifically, I will regret my performance, but I don't have to regret being myself. Right, right. And uh, so I encourage my clients to monitor their speaking, thinking, and writing. And whenever they think in terms or write or speak in terms of must and shoulds to change that to I prefer. So uh, it's easy to say, oh, I should uh, hurry up and not procrastinate. So I encourage them to to rephrase that to I prefer to hurry up and not procrastinate, but it is disadvantageous if I do. And I found the word prefer not always <clears throat> as useful as other words such as I long for this to happen or I would love for this to happen or I really want this to happen. Prefer doesn't isn't as descriptive as saying I really want this. REBT does say we can be passionate. We can want something a great deal. If we don't demand that we get it, we will not do ourselves in. The trick is the more we want something, the greater our tendency is to demand it, but that's no reason not to want something a great deal. It simply takes practice to not turn our passionate wants into demands. Yes, and uh, it is a human tendency to escalate your passionate preferences into demands. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on and watch out. I think it's even a human tendency to turn your lukewarm preferences into demands. Okay. Maybe not uh, as highly, but it's still possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe it is it would you say, Michael, there is a tendency towards that? Or is it would you say it's just a tendency to turn our strong preferences into demands? Well, I think it's a it's a continuum. So the stronger the preference, the more that tendency is. But as you point out, even a weak preference, uh, some people will turn into demand. Depends on how strong they are on putting musts and shoulds on themselves, others, and their life. Right. If I am sharpening a pencil for no particularly urgent reason, and the pencil sharpener is broken, if I demand, I have to get this pencil sharpened, I'm going to do myself in. And, that and I, must, I must not screw up. Yeah, or, and the pencil sharpener must not break. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there anything else you can think of, Michael? I think that's about it on my side. I have one more thought, and REBT does advocate using written exercises to pinpoint our demands and change them into desires or strong preferences, however we want to word it. And then also, the way we think is really the most influential aspect 
of the words that we tell ourselves so I can speak, but I am thinking all of the time. And as I think, if I can think semantically precise, I can more easily avoid self-defeating thinking and self-defeating emotions and self-defeating behavior. So when somebody becomes, I've found for myself, when I become have started becoming particularly good at REBT, I have semantic precision in my thinking. And my sister pointed out, our thinking is probably the most important place to be semantically precise. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It does take practice, as Uncle Al would say. It's simple, but it is not easy. Yeah. Uncle Al is Albert Ellis, the founder of Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, who created a revolution in the psychotherapy movement from psychoanalytic therapy to the more common popular cognitive behavior therapy, which is used by most therapists, at least to some extent these days. Right. And I would argue that even psychoanalysis uses cognitive therapy and that if somebody is going to feel better, their thoughts change. Yes, yes, yes. All right. I think we okay. can wrap up here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to uh, thank you, Mick, for being my great podcast partner. Thank you, Chris Rossini, our great tech engineer. Comment below if you have thoughts about semantic precision, semantic accuracy, what we've been discussing. Give us a thumbs up and suggest subjects for our future podcast if you have some. Volunteer. We have volunteers, guests at times. If you have an emotional problem, anxiety, depression, anger, or others, and you'd like some free, brilliant help from Mick and myself, you can come on and we will help you. Subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy Podcast to stay on the rational side of life.